You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. God, I pray that you will speak to us so that we know it's you. Move us from the status quo, the chains that hold us. Unlock the doors that limit us. And through your death on the cross, you sacrificed your life so that we could live. We could be forgiven and free of guilt and shame. And through the resurrection, you brought us the power to conquer all our fears and doubts, to conquer death, to give us power to rise above just as you rose above from death, from hell, and from the grave. We pray that your victory will live in us, that we too will be more than conquerors because of your love. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. So how many of you really know the Easter story? Come on. All right. 14 people. I have my work cut out for me this morning, right? Most, come on, let's raise our hand. You know the Easter story. Jesus dies. He's put in a tomb. Earthquake happens. Stone rolled away. Angel sits on the stone. The ladies come to look in the tomb, and he's not there, and he's risen just as he said. I'm scanning the congregation today to see if my friend is here. Now, maybe he's in the Connections building watching. Maybe he's watching online. I didn't see him last night. I didn't see him this morning. I invited him to Easter, and here's what he said. I come every Easter. And you always talk about the stone and the earthquake and the empty tomb. Do you have any other content? <laughs> and he said, he said, if you preach something else, I'll come. And I said, I will. So if you don't like the something else I bring today, I'll give you this guy's phone number. You can call him. But I will talk about Easter in my first sermon, and then I'll roll into my second one. For some of you, you're going, oh my dear Lord, he's got two. (laughs) Jesus on Good Friday says, I know what I must do. You see, he could have bartered with Pilate and the Roman officials and leveraged all of his followers into this incredible brand new government. He could have. He could have in the garden of agony. He could have said, Lord, I just can't do this, but we know what he said. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He didn't make a deal. He didn't fight. He didn't run. He died. And as I said in my earlier prayer, he didn't die just for us. He died instead of us. Because really, the cross was for us. And so, I want to talk to you today about this Jesus who really, if we summarize his life, here's what we could say about him. He outloved everybody. The Gospels are not just there for history's sake, that we would read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the Gospels were written so we would be transformed. And if you're a leader, you want to read the best leadership principles, they're not written by John Maxwell. They're written by Jesus as he tells his followers how to live. 
You want to be a better mom, a better dad, a better person, a better student, a better son or daughter? Just read the Gospels and do your best to try to follow the life of Jesus Christ and try to out-love everybody else. So part one sermon, Easter is a time where we are reminded that conclusions in man's mind are beginnings in God's plan. When you come to a dead end, don't put your hands up and say, God doesn't have a plan. God always has a plan for us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, one of our favorite verses says that God has plans for us, a hope and a future, an expected end. And when things look like at a dead end, kind of like Good Friday, Jesus has the power to change everything and transform us. Ephesians 2, 6 says, and God raised us up with Christ. Not so we would stay the way we are, but that we would be changed and we are raised up with Christ. So three points for the first sermon. Here they are. What does the resurrection mean? It means three things, that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that Jesus has the power he claimed to have, and that Jesus did what he promised to do. Would you read them with me? Jesus is who he claimed to be, Jesus has the power he claimed to have, and Jesus did what he promised that he would do. So now I take you to sermon number two. Matthew chapter 15. And that's one of the places that we'll stop today. Matthew 15, 29 to 31 says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up to the mountainside and sat down. And great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. And he healed them. And the people were amazed. When they saw the mute speaking and the crippled made well and the lame walking and the blind seeing and they praised the God of Israel. That's very important because in Jesus' time, there were other gods. They specify this is the God of Israel. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God of the Holy Bible, not just the God of somebody else's book. And they began to praise him and to worship him. This is the backdrop of our story that I want us now to jump into. The disciples had seen Jesus do things that were amazing, causing people to speak in full sentences who never spoke before, causing people to see. How many, how many fingers am I holding up? They actually could see now. Causing people to walk under their own power who had never walked before. I, I think that's fascinating because these are crippled people. And you and I know how we, 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 we walk, we, we take our first toddler steps, but according to the Greek text, they were able to fully walk like I'm walking across a platform, having never walked before. That's amazing. Could you imagine if that was your cousin, or your second cousin, or your uncle, or your aunt, and for the first time they're walking because Jesus touched them? Jesus called the disciples in verse 32 and 33 and said, I have what on these people? Compassion. They've already been with me for three days. They have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And his disciples answered, where would we get enough food to feed them all? 
Now, now, I want you to think about the disciples for a moment. Maybe you've been like them. I have. They just saw him heal, deliver. Just saw him cause people to walk who never walked, speak who never spoke, see who never saw. And the first thing they say is, we don't know where we'll ever feed these people. Not one of the disciples drops to their knees and says, oh, great Lord, we know it's a God thing that you've healed people. We know that you are God. We praise the God of Israel because of you. Could you cause there to be enough food for us to feed the multitudes? But the first thing they say is, we don't have it. There's not enough. The first response for most people is we don't have enough. Not enough time, not enough resources, not enough talent. Now, there's a similar story in Luke chapter 9. Different than the one feeding, this is another feeding. And it says, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away. In other words, Jesus, we know you have compassion, but we'd rather not have you have compassion on them. The disciples did not want to lose their equity share in Jesus. Are you with me? There's thousands of people who are hungry. Jesus, would you send them away? In other words, have them live outside the circle of your compassion. These are his followers. It's the ragtag group of fishermen that's going to change the world eventually. But in this particular story, they're saying, send them somewhere else so they can find food and lodging because we're in a remote place. Luke 9, 13, Jesus says an amazing statement to them, how about you give them something to eat? And he knows they don't have any food with them. If you get your notes out that's in the folder, you may want to write some things down. If you choose not to write some things down, that little note page is great for doodling. To expand your life, you have to expand your circle of concern, compassion, and personal responsibility. I think that's what Easter is all about, because there are people today all over this world who have already or are about to worship God and to celebrate Easter. There'll be choirs, there'll be handbells. There won't be a buffet like we had. And they will say he is risen, and they will walk out the same as when they walked in. But I want you to capture this Jesus who dies on the cross, this Jesus who rises from the dead, who has compassion upon people who don't have what they need. It's the famous verse, John 3, 16 and 17, and would you read it in your best 1142 Easter morning voice. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus has compassion as people sit down on a hillside and don't have food. And I want to say this to you today, in 2018, Jesus still has compassion upon you and upon your neighbors and your co-workers and your schoolmates, upon your kids, upon your parents. 
Wherever there is a lack of love and a lack of resources, and even more than that, a lack of salvation, Jesus has compassion, and he is moved. He's the only one who could take his bony finger and judge humanity, and he doesn't. He's the only one who could say that kind of person or this kind of issue. Or He's the only one allowed, and yet what he does is he comes to save the world through him. It's a big world, folks. Sometimes it's dirty and messy and dark and evil. And yet the Savior Jesus Christ comes and he blesses this entire globe with the ability to be saved through Jesus Christ and our faith in him. God expands our lives by deepening our concern, our compassion, and our love. And that's how we rise above. So I don't know if you've been paying attention to the media And if you're into social media at all, things like Twitter and Facebook and the like, when the disaster hit Puerto Rico, when disasters hit to the north with fires, to the south with the Thomas Fire, with the mudslides in Montecito, with the shootings in Parkland, Florida, and later in Maryland, to the bomber in Austin, Texas, people kept tweeting, Facebooking, and shouting out, you are in our thoughts and prayers. And I have to confess, for years I've used that line. I've written it on condolence cards when someone loses a loved one. You're in my thoughts and and prayers. But in the last year or so, people all over our country are saying, is that it? Is that what we get? You're praying and you're thinking about us? Now, I don't think the world's against our thoughts. They actually like us thinking about them. I don't think the world is against our prayers. They think it's good that we pray. But if you really listen to the underlying message, they're saying this, when are you going to act? And the church at large can say this, you're in our thoughts and prayers. You're in our thoughts and prayers. And it can almost be an abdication of our spiritual responsibility to do something. The disciples, why don't you send them away? Why don't you have them go find their own food, Jesus? They'll be in our thoughts and prayers. But Jesus says they've not had anything to eat for three days, and I don't want them to collapse on the way home. He's compassionate. And by the way, the Bible says that Jesus prays for us. Did you know that? It says he ever makes intercession for us. But Jesus didn't say from heaven, you're in my thoughts and prayers. He actually came and lived here. He died here. He rose again here on planet earth where we live. He was tempted like we are. He was misunderstood. He was beaten. He was lied to. He was lied about. He was betrayed, was he not? So he's the only one that can say, I'm praying for you. You're in my thoughts and prayers, but I'll also be with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll also live inside of you. I'll also rise you up from the dead. And whenever you're facing overwhelming fatigue and overwhelming odds and overwhelming circumstances, I'll have compassion on you. You can trust me. You can cast all your care upon me because I care for you. You You'll have tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, and you can overcome in me. That's why I worship him. That's why I love him. 
But I have to be careful, like you have to be careful, that we just don't send people away and say, you're in my thoughts and prayers, you're in my thoughts and prayers. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, just think about people. He told us, you ready? Oh, it gets more challenging. He told us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And you go, Pastor B, if you knew my neighbor... They're like the most unlovely neighbor there is. They play music at all hours of the night. Their kids are really loud. Their kids scratched my car the other day. I don't like the way they look. They bother me. And Jesus would say, I have a word from the Lord for you. Get ready. Love them. Sure. Love them. Can I ask you a challenging question? Remember, you got to blame this on my friend, who I still don't see yet. Who are you trying to get out of your life? See, God wants to expand your life, but he's waiting for you to care enough to be responsible for the people that are in your circle first. That would mean your immediate family. But if you stop just loving your immediate family... You know, your little mijo, you just love him, you know. Your little daughter, she's so cute. Sorry, that's not Christianity. Guy says, I love my wife. Yeah, me and her, we're tight. And I ask this question, who else do you love? See, the most amazing statement in this story is Jesus said, um, you give them something to eat. And the disciples say, just send them away. I want to read a couple statements that I wrote, and they're really for me, but I'm going to share them out loud. If your life is not too big for you, then you're living the wrong life, and you need to rise above. If our church is not challenging enough for you, you don't need to find another church. We just need to ratchet up our challenge. Somebody sent me an email about four weeks ago and says, you're really a nice pastor. You need to challenge us more. Thank you. Blame it on them. If your vision is not too big for you, then you have the wrong vision. You need to rise above. If your dreams are small and you can accomplish them without prayer, without divine intervention, you need bigger dreams. See, God wants to give you a life that is so big that you can't live it without him. Let me say that again. That's Twitterific right there. Uh, (laughs) God wants to give you a life that's so big that you can't live it without him. He wants to put you in front of people where you don't know what you're supposed to say to them so he can equip you with the Holy Spirit and give you words that are beyond your ability. God wants to put people in front of you that are nothing like you. See, people that were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners and Samaritans. He had conversations with women. That was forbidden. Women at the well, forbidden conversation against the law, but he did it anyway. Changed her life. She encountered living water instead of just H2O. You see, what we also need to do to expand our life is we need to assess and own what we have. Jesus said to them in in Matthew 15, 
You need to assess and own what you have. He says, how many loaves do you have? And they said, um, seven. Folks, if you're about to feed 4,000 or 5,000 people and you have seven loaves of bread, you are in a world of hurt. Because you know what's going to happen. The first three people in line are going to eat all seven. And then they throw in this line. Oh, and we have a few small fish too. He didn't ask them about fish, but they're fishermen, right? We have a really big problem in comparison to our really small resources. What kind of God puts thousands of people in front of you and says, feed them when you don't have any food? What kind of God puts hundreds of thousands of people in front of us in Santa Barbara County and Vandenberg Air Force Base and says, love them. It's beyond our capacity. And yet he says, I want you to love them. I want you to be moved with compassion for them. Have you ever felt shortchanged? Have you ever felt on the low end of the totem pole when it comes to intelligence or talent or gifts or resources or time? I, I, I believe they, they, they found the little boy's lunch. They wanted to give it to Jesus. They went through the crowd, and of course, these are all Jewish kids. I think most of those kids hid their lunches from the disciples. And the reason I know this is because I was raised in the Jewish faith, and no Jewish mama would ever send their boy or girl out without a lunch. And so they grabbed this one little boy's lunch, and, and the, the disciples, like, we got seven little loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and, and the lunch has, has a name called Not Enough. You ever live in the land of Not Enough? Well, there's actually a land called Not Enough. It's for people that don't have enough intelligence, not enough spiritual knowledge, scriptural knowledge, not enough faith. I'm not tall enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not fat enough. I'm, I'm not athletic enough. I'm not academic enough. I'm I'm not promotional material. I'm just, I'm just not enough. We live in the land of not enough. And we make excuses like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have, don't have enough. And Jesus says, feed them. Meet their needs. When you are overwhelmed by the smallness of what you have, and the enormity of what God calls you to do, you are in a good place. If you are married, God has called you to do something that you cannot do. Two rebellious, self-centered people come together in a covenant of marriage and say, till death do us part. Good luck with that. <laughs> Without the Lord's help. Good luck being faithful and true for 70 or 80 years. Good luck. Good luck. I wish you well on your journey where you have married a person who's not enough. A lot of times in marriage, we think that it's up to our spouse to fulfill all of our needs according to their spouse's riches and glory. See, God wants to invade your marriage. God wants to help you with parenting your kids, especially when they become teenagers and join the alien species. 
But, but here's what happens is point number three. You give God what you have and you trust him. And when he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, I mean, you have to stop here and say, who would give thanks for seven little loaves and a few fishies in the midst of this overwhelming need? Jesus would. And so he lifts up the lunch, and he, and he says, Lord, I, I give you thanks. And since he was God, he was thanking himself. He said, thank you. He said, you're welcome. And, and something happened. It was a transformation that took place. You see, in Luke, Luke 9, 14, and 16, have them sit down in groups of 50, and you would never have anybody sit down. It's like they're preparing for a picnic. A little premature, don't you think, with seven loaves and a few fish? Everybody's sitting down, go, cool, we're gonna have a picnic. And the disciples going, Where's the food? We are sunk. But I want to tell you something. Probably in your Bible, it will say, Jesus fed the multitude, or Jesus fed the four thousand, or Jesus fed the five thousand. And and that's not scripture, that's just a heading that people put in there for the story. I think whoever wrote that is wrong. Jesus did not feed the multitude. The disciples did. Now read the text. He gave the food to the disciples, and the disciples in turn gave the food to the people. It's the disciples' miracle that Jesus made happen. See, Jesus transformed what they gave him, and he gave it back to them. So they said, okay, Lord, here you go. It's not enough, but we, we, we give it to you. And, and, and they laid it down, and all of, all of a sudden, these baskets came out with tortas in them. <laughs> well, that's not what the Scripture says. But for those of you that like tortas, you know what I mean, man. There was regular tortas and wheat tortas and gluten-free tortas. Some had chorizo and eggs. Some had bacon and cheese. And for you Italians, some had Italian salami and provolone. You know what I mean? And, and, and these guys took the baskets. And people started taking the tortas and the fish. And Jesus bypassed all natural bakery laws. Anybody in here ever made bread? Right? What do, what do you put in there? Flour? Huh? Water, yeast, and then when you get it just right, what do you have to do? You have to bake it. Jesus doesn't need any flour, no yeast, no water, no butter, nothing. He just creates tortas from nada. Huh? Hey, Espanol muy bien. I know all the food groups in Spanish. I promise, chili verde, pasole, caldo de res, arroz con pollo. Come on, what else do you need to know, right? Pollo mole, come on, all right. Guacamole, holy mole. <laughs> you will never realize the power and potential of your life until you give it all to Jesus and he gives it back to you transformed. The fish breaks off the filet of fish and a new filet of fish appears. 
These were fishermen. They knew how to catch fish. And all of a sudden, thousands and thousands of fish appear. They don't get it. But Jesus was trying to teach them a lesson. And if we put ourselves in the story, we can walk away learning too. That our lives are transformed and changed. When Jesus Christ has a hold of them, would you listen to this? Everything inside of you in the hands of God will look like something you could have never imagined on your own. Everything inside of you, your history, your past, your problems, your pain, your depression, your discouragement, whatever's inside of you right now going on in your life, when you give it over to the hands of God, I, I'm not just saying a little prayer like, okay, God, I give you my life, now let's have lunch. But every single day when you say, Lord, I give you my life, who could you be if you saw yourself in the hands of God? If you expanded your life, if you let go of the not enough, Luke 9 says they all ate and were satisfied. People are pushing away now from the picnic. We've had enough food. And if you read the Luke 9 gospel, it says, they picked up 12 basketfuls. How many disciples were there? 12. And they all walked away with more than they ever came with. By the way, there were basketfuls. Jesus created the baskets too, because there were no baskets there. He was a basket weaver. Just by speaking a word, let there be baskets. I mean, read the story this week. It's amazing. From nothing, he creates something. And what's the principle? Give me what you have. I'll make it what you could never make it on your own. Give me your life. Give me your marriage. Give me, give me your situation. Give me your future. Give me your education. I talked with a young man the other day. He's so concerned about what he's going to do after high school. What college does he go to? What career? And I said, simple, simple pastoral advice. Have you asked the Lord to speak to you about it? And here's what he said. No, I've asked my parents. I've asked the counselor. Why don't you ask Jesus? Because he's already seen your future. Oh, cool, Pastor B. I'll try it. What a novel concept. A young person knowing that they could speak to God and God could speak to them. They were raised in the church. They didn't even know it. What about your life? You see, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says, how incredibly great is his power to help those who believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead wants to live in you. In just a moment, we're going to sing a couple closing songs. But I want you to consider giving your life over to Jesus today. And here's how it starts. It starts with a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I give you my life. Now, for those of you that may not normally pray, you might think, well, this is, that's, I'm not good at praying. Well, I'm just going to help you. Jesus, I give you my life. How, how hard could that be? And all of heaven waits in the balance as you make the most eternal decision you could ever make to give your life over to Jesus. 
And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I invite you to come to Him today. Whether you're in this room or the other room or watching online, I invite you right where you are to simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we believe that you died on a cross and that you rose again from the dead. And isn't it interesting that that's exactly what we're supposed to believe in order to be saved? We believe you died, we believe you rose again, and we confess you as Jesus. Without anybody looking around, I'm just going to ask you, if this is your day to give your life to Jesus Christ, I can't think of a better day than Easter. Would you just raise your hand, because I want to agree with you. As you would say, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Just raise your hand. Yeah, down here. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, you two in the back. You over here. Yeah, I agree with you today. Yeah, anybody else? Remember the first time I saw people do that in church, I thought, this is weird. What are they raising their hands for? And then I recognized quickly, those hands are connected to hearts. Say, Lord, here I am. Save me. Believe in your hearts, dear ones, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your hearts today that the one who transformed a few loaves into feeding 5,000 plus people is the same Lord who wants to transform your life. So you don't leave here the same as when you came in. Then I would ask this, this question. If there are some of you that have been stuck in the land of not enough, oh, you know Christ, but you kind of hit the wall spiritually and you need Jesus to help you with a breakthrough today. Trust him. You don't want to go through the motions anymore. You want your life to be transformed. Would you raise your hand? Because I just want to agree with you too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for these. Yes, Lord, thank you. Transform us. Help us to rise above because of who you are and by your power. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.